Good evening and welcome to another edition of the Saturday Scouting Combine. Uh, championship week, we had the Oklahoma Sooners uh, secure a spot. They clinched the Big 12 championship with a six-point victory, a close victory. They once led 17-0 over the Iowa State Cyclones. And then on the flip side, over in the Big 10, we had the Ohio State Buckeyes, who pretty much showed the reason today against Northwestern, a very tough Northwestern team as to why they continue to be dominant when it comes to speaking about the Big Ten. Alongside your host, Brandon Ligori, is a good friend of mine, Hassan Patel. Hassan, uh, happy Saturday. We got just about under a week now until uh, Christmas. Uh, how's everything been? Hey, Brandon. Uh, it's been pretty calm, I guess you could say, a calm before the storm before the holiday festivities uh, start to kick back up. But uh, I'm surprised that you didn't include the Pac-12 champions, the Oregon Ducks as well. You know, they didn't necessarily play today on Saturday. They played yesterday on Friday. And it was uh, with any Pac-12 game after dark, it's a wild one. Uh, you had... USC and Oregon play, and initially Oregon was not playing. It was going to be uh, USC versus Washington, but due to COVID-19 concerns and Washington not having enough people on its roster, Oregon was was the next best thing that USC would play. Um, Keaton Slovis, man, he essentially threw the game away for USC. Uh, they attempted a comeback during the first half, and they failed at that. In the last minutes of the game, Jamal Hill picked it up uh, in the air to essentially put the game away. Um, USC's offense is not necessarily the best, specifically when they match up with Oregon's defense. And Oregon's offense was much, much better. Um, the defense for... USC, they followed the offense's lead as they were trying to come back. And they forced that three and out so the offense could do what they needed to do. And essentially, Kidon Slovis, he threw his third pick of the night, and it just it just wasn't fun. It just wasn't fun. And Oregon, being unranked, they upset a number 15-ranked team in USC. Essentially, a 4-2 and two Oregon Duck squad were Pac-12 championships. And go ahead, Brandon. And that's even and that's even pretty much you know crazy. We got a we got a a team that came into the into this game three and two. I mean, you normally really never see a team play just five regular season games. But of course, as as you and I always say, welcome to a year of you know just like the overall unknown. But Oregon, this is this this game that I watched, and I I actually did pay. Uh, I you know I I did forget to mention it, but I definitely did pay close attention to it. This was a game that, I mean, we can, we can both agree, Oregon wasn't even supposed to be in this in, in this spot. Same as when BYU and Coastal Carolina uh, squared off. B, uh, BYU really wasn't supposed to be in that spot. But the way Oregon was able to just, you know, fight adversity, I believe one point in late in the fourth quarter, they had a 31-17 lead. And it was kind of a back-and-forth game. I think uh, the USC quarterback, Keaton Slovis, throwing in, their, uh, throwing in INT, on the opening drive of the game, that pretty much set the the, the tone for Mario Christian Ball's Oregon Ducks. But you know, currently I'm paying attention. 
to the Clemson Tigers, who are putting an absolute thrashing on Notre Dame. The, the, the second half just kicked off, and Clemson's winning 24-3. to And, you know, you and I had talked about when we first started created this in this Saturday Scouting Combine podcast, we were both amazed at how Notre Dame was able to pull off a victory in South Bend, but it was against a Trevor Lawrence-less Clemson Tiger team. Now you factor in Lawrence is back. He's 13 of 19 for over 200 yards and two touchdown passes. And it looks to me right now as if Clemson is going to clinch yet another ACC championship spot. Or another uh, – Yeah. Or, excuse me. Yeah. And um, in the previous podcast with the special edition with our guest host from Locked On Irish, Ryan Roberts, we spoke about how during halftime it's going to be important what the score would be. And essentially – I know my friends over there at Lockdown Irish are not happy at all, uh, 24-3 at halftime. And you have to give credit to Brett Venables and his defense. And I said before on the podcast, he turns the team's weakness into its greatest strength. And they're stopping the run game, which is the worst thing that could happen to Notre Dame this early on in a game. They are down 21 points by three touchdowns. Clemson is already an aggressive team as it is, and they get aggressive. They're just dominant, dominant, dom- dominant. And stop me if you've heard this before, but uh, we see Notre Dame today coming flat in a big-time national TV game. Um, you, you hear over and over again. On the flip side, speaking of dominance, Oklahoma – Secured its fifth straight Big 12 championship victory. And give credit where credit is due. I mean, Lincoln Riley is doing one hell of a job there at Oklahoma. He absolutely turned around this school. It started off with Baker Mayfield transfer from Texas Tech. Taking a transfer quarterback, Baker Mayfield, leading them to a possible playoff spot. Baker Mayfield getting drafted at number one to the Cleveland Browns. Then you have Kyler Murray, another transfer coming in. Him almost winning the Heisman in the college football playoffs as well. And he also gets taken number one. Then you have another transfer from Alabama coming in from Jalen Hurts. Uh, you know, they didn't quite do so well in the football playoffs uh, initially. He wasn't drafted number one overall, but he was drafted uh, with the 53rd pick to the Philadelphia Eagles, and he's starting in the NFL. Uh, Spencer Rattler. Last last Sunday versus a really good New Orleans squad. Yeah, and they did. And for the first time in I don't know how long, but all three former Oklahoma starting quarterbacks are starting in the NFL as well tomorrow on Sunday. And – Spencer Rattler, I think one day we're going to see him, as we saw in this in this Big 12 cha- championship game, we're going to see him evolve a little bit more. He's only a retro freshman. He's going to get better and better as the years go by, and he could be be a top pick um, in the next in the next few drafts as well. Um, Iowa was just flat, and I've been saying it all year. Iowa did not did not belong in the number six spot in the college football playoff rankings. Uh, they attempted to make a comeback, but they didn't at all. Yeah, and, you know, I, I I always looked at Lincoln Riley as, you know, sort of a coach who could honestly secure a spot in, like, 
take the next step from the college level into the uh, professional level. I believe his total record overall is like, you know, 39 wins and seven losses, some crazy number like that. And, and, I, and, and I definitely agree with your point. Uh, you mentioned uh, Baker Mayfield, then you mentioned Kyler, Kyler, Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts, who had a great regular season last year at Oklahoma, just couldn't get it done against Nick Saban's Alabama Crimson Tide. But when it's all said and done, when, when Lincoln Riley took over this program, he was able to, you know, master the quarter, the quarterback spot. And we've seen year in and year out that Oklahoma, you, I mean, say what you want, but don't be, don't be surprised years down the road if you see Lincoln Riley's name pops up, maybe as an, an offensive coordinator spot in the National Football League. Or I definitely, he's definitely one of those coaches that sits on my top radar. You know, it comes to like the league college coaches. We saw Nick, Nick Saban, he's been an NFL coach. Uh, don't be surprised if you even see Dabo uh, Sweeney's name, even Brian Kelly from, from Notre Dame. I mean, he's just been a coach at winning. That's what, oh, that's what Oklahoma does is win. And, you know, they had, a, they had an early 17-point lead. It seemed as if they were going to collapse late in the game. But Iowa State and quarterback Brock Purdy throwing in, throwing in interception with, I believe, a minute and change left. But, let, but like, let me tell you something. Iowa State – this is a new situation for them for head coach Matt, Matt Campbell. I mean, I, Iowa State, I remember Iowa State as a, a program who finished every year five and six, six and five, three and nine, four and eight. It wasn't really a team that you would ever factor in as to clinch a spot in the Big 12 championship. So for them to even just get to, to this spot and face a high prolific program like the, o, the Oklahoma Sooners, I don't really see Iowa State hanging their heads low. I mean, they definitely have a bright future. And you look at the in, the incoming recruiting class. So this is definitely, you know, this is definitely a, a, a program who's definitely on the, uh, on the rise. But if you want to talk about a program that's on the rise, and this has been two fantastic programs from, for as long as I can remember, we have Nick Saban's Alabama Crimson Tide, the number one seeded Alabama, who's pretty much bullied every single opponent that they played in 2020, taking on Dan Mullins, Florida Gators. I don't know if you follow elite college football on Instagram, but I guess somebody had put out a video of Dan of I believe it was a specific reporter, had asked Dan Mullins, do you believe a two-loss squad like your squad deserves to secure a spot in the college football playoff? And Dan Mullins' exact words were, we'll worry about that when we win Saturday night. So Dan Mullins is already calling a Florida win. I believe the current spread is Alabama minus 17 and a half. Usam, give me two keys to this game. Really, how do you see this game playing out? How do you see Florida stopping Devontae Smith? How do you see the Florida defensive line stopping Matt Jones? And overall, how do you see Florida stopping this high prolific offense in the Alabama Crimson Tide? I think what I'm going to say right now is that you're giving – our listeners a little bit of a teaser right now because I want to talk about this Big Ten championship game. We have to talk about this before before we even delve into the SEC championship game. Uh, the Big Ten championship game already happened. And early on, Justin Fields was struggling just like the same way we saw him struggle against Indiana. And mind you, I tweeted out earlier today, I wanted Northwestern to win as reparations for the college football playoff committee changing up its rules just so Ohio State could get in. And in the beginning, it didn't even look like Ohio State belonged in the game. The The Wildcats' defense was an absolute brick wall. They weren't letting anything go its way until after Greg Newsom was taken out of the game 
for injury. And he's, I guess you could say, the top five cornerback in the upcoming draft this year. And unfortunately, Ohio State, they were down 22 players due to contact tracing and some coaching staff as well. So we didn't get to see star wide receiver Chris Olave. Um, the problem with Justin Fields during this game was that Northwestern secondary, as good as it is, was making life hard for its wide receivers. So we saw Fields' weakness pop up during the game where he would stick onto his man too long and hold the man too long, and he would get stacked or, you know, just absolutely miss his wide receivers. And we saw it only on in the first half. On the flip side for the running game, the running game was working. And today, we had Trey Sermon pass Eddie George's Ohio State running back record for 314 rushing yards in the game. And he passed that for 331 rushing yards. It was a historic day for him. And he transferred out of Oklahoma. And Ohio State has a great crop of running backs as well. Um, for Nor- Northwestern Payton Ramsey was absolutely balling in the first half until he throw until he threw those two picks, which, which essentially sealed the deal for Ohio State to absolutely milk this clock out and guarantee another a fourth straight Big Ten championship win. Ohio State, and you know, give I first want to give credit to uh, 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 Pat Fitzgerald's squad. I mean, they came out ready to ball. I mean, there was a there was a time where Northwestern was pretty much leading. Besides them being down early three zip, Northwestern came out and they were running the football, running the football, running the football. Wildcat, all different formations, all different packages, and Northwestern went into the into the locker room with a 10-6 advantage. But give credit to Pat Fitzgerald's squad in the first half. However, in the second half, they really couldn't get much done, and you saw Justin Fields was able to connect with his with his wideouts. And as you alluded to, Trey Sermon, over 300 yards alone on the ground today, two key touchdowns. I mean, there was a point in time where Ohio State, we didn't even know if they were going to even be in this spot because you had to play at least a minimum of six games, or I believe it was five games, to secure a spot in the Big Ten championship. So we didn't even know if Ohio State was going to be in this spot. But with this 12-point victory and the way they were able to shut out Northwestern in the second half, do you now see – does this win automatically solidify Ryan Day's team to be one of the four best in college football? I mean, with the way the game played out in the first half, I don't know. And this year is a year of uncertainty. We know Alabama is going to be number one. Notre Dame, if they're still playing the way they are and they get blown out, I think they're going to be taken out. Um it's going to be a major, major shakeup. Uh, Clemson's going to be number two or number one, depending on how Alabama and Florida plays, and we'll get that that to a little bit later on in the show. Ohio State possibly could be number three or number four, but I'm just I'm just not sure because Texas Texas A&M is currently number five and. They were a little bit choppy against LSU the same way Florida was. However, Texas A&M got that win against Florida and against LSU. So I think that may be a key factor. Um, as far as I can say, will Ohio State be in there? I'm giving, I'm giving it a 70% chance of a probability that, Ohio, that the Buckeyes 
are going to be in the college football playoff semifinals. And this is going to be an, in, an interesting point because here we have Notre Dame currently trailing 24-3 midway in the third quarter. If they somehow fall, let's say, 35-3, 40-10, let's say they fall in blowout fashion and you have Texas A&M who took care of business earlier this morning versus Tennessee, and then let's say you have Alabama take care of their business tonight against Florida. Do you somehow see in the top four being Alabama one, Clemson two, Ohio State three, and Texas A&M at four, and Notre Dame slipping out because of the way they performed in the ACC title game? Or how do you see that falling out? I think essentially if it's like a big blowout game, I think Notre Dame is is out. They're out of the big boys club for sure. Um, they're, they could possibly get like a nice orange bowl berth or something like that. Uh, we're basically going to have two SEC teams, one ACC team, and one Big Ten team in the college football playoffs. And this is this would probably be the first time Texas A&M even gets to the college football playoffs. And Jimbo Fisher has been in the BCS National Championship games a couple times. He knows the atmosphere. He knows how to get his players ready. And it's almost the same type of atmosphere for the college football playoffs. And I think Jimbo Fisher will get his squad ready, although they would probably fall short as they did uh, earlier in the regular season to Alabama by 28 or more points. And now as we flip things over, we have probably – this is a game where folks like myself believe Florida has a legitimate chance. I'm not saying Florida's going to pull off the, up, the upset in this one. But the spread, I believe, was 17.5 this morning. has now dipped down to 15.5 as of 6.07 p.m. Eastern time. Hassan, I want to ask you two keys to this game. Number one, how does Florida stop quarterback Matt Jones, who's been lights out this year, but so has quarterback Kyle, Kyle Trash, who's been putting up damn impressive numbers. And number two, how does Florida's cornerbacks and Florida's overall secondary stop speedy wideout Devontae Smith? Here's the answer to the first question. I do not see Florida in any way, shape, or form, or even any any type of technical or schematically taking over Mac Jones in this Alabama offensive line. Um, Alabama has always been a great team offensively ever since they started start started to get to a tongue of Iloa. And they've always had super skill um superstars that have talents and that are super skillful. But this year this offensive line is absolutely special. They have absolute maulers and big boys on the line. And there are most, if not all of them, are draft ready for this year and next year. And this is special even for Alabama because Nick Saban doesn't even get enough credit for putting together a factory of superstar college offensive linemen. Secondly, I think to stop Devonta Smith you're going to have to double bracket him in coverage. You're going to need safety help. And Florida secondary, as I don't even know how to put it, they got whacked around by Vanderbilt, by Tennessee, and by LSU. I mean, you, you take a look at those games and you say, oh, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, and LSU have found their quarterbacks. I mean, they looked off the charts. They're going to be superstars, but they're not even there yet. And Florida's D made them look like 
the next Peyton Manning. I, it was just it was just a bad bad show out. And Mac Jones is gonna look look like the second coming of Trevor Lawrence. Okay, uh, he's not a superstar quarterback. Uh, he's not bombs away like Joe Burrow. He doesn't impress you kind of like kind of like Justin Fields. Um, he's more so of a game manager and get the job done kind of guy. All he has to do is get the balls in his hands to his playmakers, whether it be Devonta Smith or John Mechie, even Najee Harris giving him the ball 20 times a game in the run game. Uh, this Alabama offense is absolutely prolific. They're electric. Uh, they'll get it done. And, Brandon, I want to ask you, um, do you think Kyle Trask will have his Heisman moment and win this game for the Florida Gators offensively? Well, his Heisman moment, his Heisman opportunity to a big drop last Saturday night, falling 37-34 at the hands of the LSU Tigers. And, you know, a costly penalty by cornerback Marco Wilson, who literally, and this is not a joke, folks, threw a – Threw an offense, threw an LSU player's shoe across the field, and that and that cost them to be the game, the game-winning field goal. I'm telling you, I, you know, it's funny because P, I was telling people about that in school last week before I came home for the for the holiday break, and they they were like, "There's no way that one of your players cost them the game if he threw a shoe." I said, "Dude, I'm telling you, you have to look at this at, at this video recap. It happened." But to to answer your question on, will Kyle Trask have his Heisman? moment tonight. If the Gators somehow win this game, I mean, that's, I think, everyone's Heisman moment involving Florida. I mean, I think Dan Mullen, they'll be, talk, they'll be talking about him heavy tonight if Florida can pull this win out because we've seen Alabama, you know, Alabama's been on top of college football since 2011 beyond. We've seen, and Nick Saban, for as long as Nick Saban's in Tuscaloosa, I really don't see Alabama ever falling out of the top three, top four, even top five spot. But for Dan Moore, the last time the Florida Gators were in this spot against Alabama, Nick Saban absolutely embarrassed Jim McElwain, who was a former Florida Gators head coach. I believe Alabama dropped 50 points on the Gators. That was the 2015 SEC championship. But now you flash five years later for Kyle Trask to pull this off. Number one, it's key that they're, that uh, tight end Kyle Pitts is activated tonight. He's been an absolute dominant force. I see him even going in, in the first round of this upcoming April's draft. Number two, if he's able to, if the wideouts are able to create separation off the uh, line of, of uh, scrimmage, hey, we're in for a we're in for a for a ball game tonight. But just like I like to talk about, and it really involves anyone, whether it's the Florida Gators at the collegiate level or even the Miami Dolphins at the professional level, you don't want to fall behind to a team like Alabama early. You don't want to trail ten nothing early, fourteen nothing early, even twenty one nothing early because then. You're basically taking the running game out because if you're down 21 nothing and you're and and you're running the ball, Alabama has big boys on the on the defensive line. So if you're Florida, control the clock, win the line of scrimmage, win the first seven minutes of the uh, of the first quarter. If Florida loses the opening point toss and Alabama's on offense first, let's see how the first defensive series comes. If they get a quick three and out, hey, that's an automatic win. If Kyle Trask takes the ball in the opening offensive possession and moves down the field 85 yards and 10, 11 plays and scores a touchdown, I mean, we did see Florida do that in the 2015 SEC Championship. They just weren't able to hold it on a consistent down-to-down -down basis. But it'll be interesting to see tonight with a new head coach and Dan Mullen 
I've liked Dan. I've I've loved not 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 even liked. I've loved Dan Mullen since he took since he took this Florida job. And Dan Mullen's proved himself. I mean, the Gators have had two consecutive years where they've clinched a New Year's Six Bowl. Hey, if they somehow upset Alabama tonight, we might be talking about the boys from Gainesville securing a spot in a college football playoff. And you you mentioned Kyle Pitts, and he's going to be important in this game. But another player that will be important is Speedy Wideout and cheat code Kadarius Tony. Now, Florida possesses two top 50 talent skill players on their offense in Tony and Pitts. And we knew coming into this season that Kyle Pitts was a top two tight end in this class. And he's only cemented his status further in the season. He's, he's tight end number one on my big board. However, we didn't even see Kadarius Tony being this big uh, coming into the season. Uh, he can turn a five-yard gain into a 50-yard game. And uh, ding, 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 Dolphins fans, that should ring a bell in your head because the Dolphins need a wide receiver like that. And he he's not like Tyreek Hill, but he's Tyreek Hill-esque. And he makes this Florida offense dangerous when he's making these big plays. And both Pitts and Tony will need to have big performances to keep up with this Alabama offense. And not only that, those two players could be used as decoys, letting Trayvon Grimes turn out those those yards on the outside. Um, this would be a task for Alabama's defensive backs, Patrick Sertain and Josh Joby. I mean, Sertain is the son of former Miami Dolphins quarterback, Pat, uh, cornerback Patrick Sertain. And he's had an outstanding season, and he could possibly be one of the first corners off the board come draft night. He's got great length, great route recognition, and he's able to click and close on any types of routes, and he can jam wide receivers at the line of scrimmage. Um, we don't know who he will be guarding. It's going to depend on the scheme, but I expect him to see on uh, Kadarius Tony a lot and possibly Kyle Pitts if Pitts starts to heat up. Josh Joby could also see some time on uh, Pitts as well, and he showed great upside as a nickel quarter, corner. Um, for Alabama to disrupt the offensive firepower of the Gators. They'll need to take away the big plays from Pitts and Tony and absolutely pressure and sack Kyle Trask. And Kyle Trask is a big boy. That's not an easy task. So for Tony and Pitts to do well, they'll also need to unlock other parts of Florida's offense. And like I said before, Trayvon Grimes is going to get his name called a lot tonight, and he can emerge as the number three option. If Sertain can neutralize Kadarius Tony. It could spell trouble for Flores' offense today. Just a just a, a quick question before we move into some Miami Dolphins football talk. Do you think Florida covers tonight? I don't think. I'm sure you don't think Florida's going to outright win this football game. But with this current spread holding at 15 and a half, and let's say within the next hour that falls to maybe 15 or 14 and a half, do you somehow see Florida keeping it within a two touchdown range? Um. I certainly think they can. It could possibly during the last second we could have a backdoor cover. And I know that's been happening a lot uh, these past couple college and NFL games. I think they could cover towards the last seconds of the game where they could sc score a quick touchdown and uh, possibly help the their betters out 
And uh, Brian, I want to ask you, what do you think is going to be the score for tonight's game? You know, I I was watching film for both teams pretty much this whole entire week. Uh, Alabama's offense can score 21 points in a blink of an eye. Florida's offense can do pretty much the same. So I have this ball game being there around a 40. Well, I'm going to give it 41, 30. Uh, I'm going to go with Alabama tonight. I just think that at the end of the day, I don't think Dan Mullen's squad is there yet. With, with I mean, we're talking about the big, big boys of the, of the SEC. And, hey, I'm a diehard Gators fan. Uh, my sister is, is in the, uh, the uh, medical, the, med, the veterinary medicine program at, at the University of Florida. So I'm a diehard Florida fan. I just don't see Florida – I think they'll be able to cover 100% sure, and I think they'll even be able – I think Florida, early on, don't be surprised if they're winning, 14-7, 14-10. Don't be surprised if they even take a halftime lead. But when it's all said and done, I just think Nick Saban's squad is – you know, it's like the Kansas City Chiefs. It's like, here's the end. The, the NFL is in the 50% range with the most of the NFL teams. But the Chiefs are in that upper class, that 80, 85, 90% range. So I'm going to go Alabama 41, Florida 30. And hopefully I'm, I'm, I would love to see Florida pull off the major upset. So you think Florida will essentially cover their spread tonight? That's, that's, the, that's great to hear. And as always, guys, make sure you watch the SEC championship game. Let us know your thoughts on some of the championship games from early on. And um, make sure you look at some of these key players in in Alabama and the UF game, as I'm sure the Miami Dolphins will be looking at some of them. And as always, guys, thank you for listening to this edition of the Saturday Scouting Combine. Fins up, everybody. <laughs>